Okay, Noelle, I have to make a confession. Oh, what did you do? I didn't do anything. I'm checking Twitter. I didn't tweet anything. No, you didn't. Too bad. I was hoping for an epic rant. Noelle, I'm trying to confess something here. Lonnie, you don't have to confess anything. I'm sure whatever it is, it's not as shameful as you think. I ship Xander and Willow. You what? Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm film scholar with issues, Noelle LaCroix. And I'm story expert with a Joan Collins tood, Lonnie Diane Rich. And we're here today to talk about When She Was Bad, the first episode of season two. When She Was Bad first aired on September 15th, 1997, was written and directed by Joss Whedon. And a warning before we begin, every episode of Still Pretty talks about each episode within the greater context of all of Buffy and as such is fully spoiled. So embrace the pain, spank your inner Moppet or whatever, but let's go on patrol. In When She Was Bad, Buffy returns from a summer in Los Angeles with her dad to find a vampire attacking Xander and Willow. She dispatches the vampire and reunites with her friends, but something isn't quite right. At school, when Cordelia is oddly friendly, Buffy is oddly bitchy. Your secret's safe with me. Well, that works out great. You won't tell anyone that I'm a slayer, and I won't tell anyone you're a moron. Later, at the bronze, Buffy is rude to Angel and then takes Xander to the dance floor where she dances up on him all sexy-like. Willow watches on sadly, and Xander doesn't seem to be enjoying being used by Buffy either. Her job of upsetting everyone she loves done, she leaves, only to be followed by Cordelia, who gives her some advice. Whatever's causing the Joan Collins tood, deal with it. Embrace the pain, spank your inner moppet, whatever. But get over it, because pretty soon you're not going to even have the loser friends you've got now. Buffy turns her back and doesn't see Cordelia kidnapped by vampires. They bring her to a warehouse where she finds an unconscious Jenny Calendar. Buffy goes by the cemetery to the place where the master was supposed to be buried and finds the grave empty. At school, Xander and Willow talk to Giles about how strangely Buffy is behaving, and Giles figures it's about unprocessed trauma from her encounter with the master. Buffy shows up and tells Giles what she saw the night before. They're going to bring the master back to life, and I seem to recall you telling me he was history. Buffy, I've, I've never heard of a, a revivification ritual being successful. But you've heard of them? Thanks for the warning. In the library, a stone wrapped in Cordelia's necklace comes flying through the window with a note attached telling Buffy to come to the bronze. Buffy goes out on her own, despite Willow, Xander, and Giles warning her that it's clearly a trap. At the bronze, Angel shows up, and Buffy challenges him to a fight. He refuses, and they go inside to find a lone vampire pretending to be Cordelia. Buffy realizes her friends were right. It's a trap. She runs to the library and finds Xander, who angrily tells her that Willow and Giles have been kidnapped by vampires. If they hurt Willow, I'll kill you. Buffy takes Xander back to the bronze, where he and Angel watch as Buffy tortures information out of the vampire. They rush to the warehouse, where the vampires are setting up a ritual over the master's bones, intending to kill Giles, Willow, Jenny Callender, and Cordelia, the people who were with him when the master died. Buffy breaks in and fights the vampires while Angel and Xander free the hostages. Where's Buffy? She's working at her issues. Buffy kills the vampires and then takes a sledgehammer to the master's bones, grinding them into dust before breaking down into tears in Angel's arms. 
The next day at school, she's feeling bad about how she's treated her friends. But when she goes to class, Willow and Xander forgive her without her even needing to apologize. So we bronzing it tonight? Wednesday's kind of beat. Well, we could grind our enemies into talcum powder with a sledgehammer, but gosh, we did that last night. All right, Noel. So here we are. We're in season two. I'm so excited. Hello, and welcome to season two. Welcome to season two. Here we go. Can you feel the difference already? Doesn't it kind of feel like it's it's growing up and it's sort of finding itself? Oh, for sure. Um, and it it looks different right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Like there's something different in the the quality of the um, the shots and the composition, and of course, everybody got makeovers over the summer Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, partly that is because we have a shift in who our costume designer is Cynthia Bergstrom replaces Susanna Puisto I hope I'm Puisto I hope I'm saying her name correctly (laughs) Um, and everyone gets makeovers which Mm -hmm. is partly explained with Buffy's shopping trip with Hank right I feel like the characters just become it, more themselves in how they're yeah. dressed. And of course, everyone gets haircuts, mm-hmm. which I just, I don't know. It, the back to school haircut is a thing. So it is a thing. It is a thing. <laughs> so you Absolutely. Have that. Um, yeah. But everything but, seems more mature. Like the, the characters feel like they're growing up and the show feels like it's growing into itself. Um, and I'm really, I love the whole season two vibe. You get into it and you're like, okay, I know where I am now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get lots and lots and lots of that uh, punchy dialogue that yes. Buffy is really known for. And I feel like Buffy is the first one, it, one of the first television mm-hmm. shows to do that. Yeah. Um, and this is this is really where it takes off. But mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I kind of hate this episode. Oh, you hate this episode. I kind of do. I kind mm-hmm. of do. It's really, really hard to watch. I like... Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, it looks really beautiful and I feel like everyone is really on it with the the acting and the, you know, the production design and the costume design. It's really beautiful. Um, it's it's shot really nicely and there's, you know, just some gorgeous composition and everybody looks great. And I just hate it. I just <laughs> hate seeing Buffy be so mean to characters that we care about. Yeah, it, it is weird because, you know, you go from this shift from season one to season two, right? And you're so excited. You're going to see your characters again, but they're new and they're fresh. And every every new season kind of feels like this big movement, you know? Mm-hmm. And here we have Buffy who is not really Buffy. Like, we're excited to see Buffy again, but we're not seeing Buffy because this is not Buffy. But this is Buffy processing trauma, which is something that throughout the run of Buffy, when terrible things happen to her, which happen a lot, we have Buffy (laughs) dealing with a lot of terrible things, we don't process her trauma We do it here and we do it in season three with Anne, right? Mm -hmm. So we see her processing her trauma in both of these season openers. But for the most part, things happen to her and she just picks up and moves on and everybody's like, oh, hey, no big deal. You know, Mm -hmm. when it's a big damn deal, like what happens to her is a big deal. Um, So I, I kind of like that we are actually processing her trauma in this episode. I like that we are addressing the fact that what has happened to her 
was terrifying and, you know, traumatic. And I mean, this was uh, the matter of a few hours, right, between when she found out the prophecy said she was going to die. She went and met with the master. The master kills her. She's resurrected. She goes and kills the master. And then, boom, they're at the dance. That's like a five-hour span. I mean, that is a huge amount of trauma to have in a short period of time and then to have to process that especially because she's spending the summer with her dad her dad has no idea her mother has no idea like nobody has any idea what she's been through right so um so that whole thing i i actually like that we do that in this episode but i completely understand why it feels like such a disappointment we come back and buffy's not even buffy yeah i mean and i agree with you i absolutely love that we're showing buffy reacting to this experience of having died um, and having come back and how she, you know, she is she is changed by this Mm -hmm. experience and she has nobody who can really relate to her. She really has no, you know, Hank says something about her being sort of disconnected. And yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. there is no one who can really understand the experience that she's had. Um, And, you know, I like that we get to see her doing this sort of sullen, bitter thing where she's angry at everyone. Um, But I think that for a season premiere, the Mm -hmm. hurt people, hurt people narrative, um, especially because she's hurting people that we care about. Like it's really, really hard to watch her, be cruel to her friends when we're also rooting like I want to root for Buffy and I Mm -hmm. get that she's processing trauma but I'm also like oh that's really that's that's uncomfortable the dance scene right oh god so here she is I mean the dance scene I think is the hardest to watch yeah um because of so many different things that are going on there like there's willow with xander right Mm -hmm. she does the little you know foam on her nose mimicking the ice cream on her nose from the opening right yeah she's trying to get his attention and do the little flirty thing but buffy's there he has Mm -hmm. no attention to give to willow buffy pulls him onto the dance floor knowing how willow feels about him does this sexy dance on him solely to make angel crazy yeah um and then when she says like because it's one thing that she's acting out it's one thing that she's cranky and she's angry and she's a little bitter but this particular moment is is actively cruel like she's being cruel to everyone and then when she says to him did i ever thank you for saving my life don't you wish i would like yeah after dancing up on him that way it is such a mean thing to say especially when she knows how he feels about her like yes. he told her at the end of the the previous uh season so all of that like that particular scene i think is um i'm always fascinated by that scene i'm always engaged by that scene but it's always a little off-putting because even while processing trauma I don't believe that that's how Buffy would process her trauma. I do believe being distant, like mm-hmm. when she first sees Giles, right? Yes. They come back, she can't meet his eye. Oh, you know, I love that. Xander and Willow are joking around with Giles. Oh, I had $10, it would be 10 minutes before you said yeah. that, go consult your books, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and, and Buffy can't even look at him. Yeah. You know, because he knows, he sees her and she does not want to be seen. So 
I I think that I would have understand her trauma more in a withdrawal, a distance, a not wanting to be seen. I understand it in the moment when she says, um, no, you're not coming with me. I'm going to go take care of this by myself. I can't protect you guys and do my job at the same time. Right. Because she's feeling overwhelmed by her responsibility and by what it what it means to her, you know. So, um so I, I like all that stuff. I like the moment that she, you know, is is working out in the library and destroys the training dummy. You know, <laughs> like I love that because she's so and she's so wigged out. She's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. And you can see how scared she is. You know? Yeah. Um, I like all of that stuff. And I think that that's good. It's the dance. It's the dancing up on Xander at the bronze that doesn't ring true to me and doesn't feel like Buffy to me. That's interesting to me because the the beating up the practice dummy feels mm-hmm. a little over the top to me. Yeah. It mm-hmm. feels a little bit. I mean, and partly it's that distractingly harsh guitar riff that's playing. Yeah. Like, I that. don't I don't love that music choice. Um, yeah. Although I do like the way the guitar follows Buffy around through this episode. We've got that, you know, electric mm-hmm. guitar. And then later when she's sort of quietly processing we have some acoustic guitar in the background it's just kind of a nice uh yeah musical shift there but that scene with that that training sequence rubs me the wrong way i think the 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 way the dance rubs you the wrong way um maybe not i don't know but Mm -hmm. there's i mean first of all it's distracting to me that sarah michelle geller's uh martial arts double is half again her size. I mean, she's way buffer than, you know, the vampire slayer herself. And I'm just like, that is not, that's not the same woman. And I mean, she's, she is wonderful to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. That last sidekick that she does is executed so beautifully, but Mm -hmm. I don't, but she's highly muscular. You yeah. Know? I mean, obviously, yeah. she's she's an athlete. I mean, this yeah. woman is absolutely an athlete well, and, and she's, is called upon to do things like yeah. that. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's. I think she's probably a good four inches taller, too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I don't... There's something about that scene and the, the ferocity with which she attacks that dummy. I don't know. I mean, I do like her seeing the master mm-hmm. in everything that she's doing but mm-hmm. i think the the that training sequence goes from 0 to 60 so fast for me that mm-hmm. i don't i don't really i don't really buy it i don't really love it um and then giles's remark about you obviously stayed in shape raises the question for me of how much training like what is the role of training for the slayer she's obviously right. supernaturally strong but, well, she's supernaturally strong. So does she have to work out to maintain that? Or is the training really about precision? Yeah. You yeah. know, rather than she has strength, but she has to learn the skills and the precision right. and all of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But I mean, she's pretty precise kicking that yeah. vampire into the the oh, broken off that tree branch. Awesome. As far as like dustings go, you yeah. know, I mean, the standard like stake to the heart dusting gets a little boring after a while. And they do try to shake that up. I loved her kicking the vamp into the tree branch and the tree branch dusting the vampire. That was some That's serious uh, vampire yep. slayer physics at work there like she (laughs) you know we had a we had a vampire biologist on still dead Mm -hmm. i feel like we need a vampire slayer physicist to explain (laughs) how buffy is able to (laughs) so precisely kick that vampire into the tree branch but Mm -hmm. 
but we have this. So we have the the training sequence, and we have her beating mm-hmm. up the the practice dummy and you know destroying it, and then we have her dancing with Xander. Mm-hmm. Um, dancing on Xander, dancing adjacent to Xander. Oh yeah, yeah. It's no, not, that's a sexual act. <laughs> it's not, con- and it's Xander. not. It's not especially consensual. No. I really, really like the way he performs that scene. Yes, I really no, like Brendan that. Did a great job with that because you can see how angry and hurt he is mm-hmm. because he knows exactly what she's doing. Yeah. You know, and you can see that. And it's 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 really like uncomfortable. And he's not going to take this opportunity to be like, oh, well, hey, you know, she's Mm -hmm. dancing all up on me, so I might as well go for it. He he knows that this is not genuine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not willing to accept. And he's not taking that opportunity, which I like. I yeah. think we get some good Xander in this episode. Yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. We get some good Xander. Although, we got to talk about Xander and Willow. And we do have to talk about Xander and Willow. And my deep, deep shame. <laughs> I don't think it's I shameful. Ship it. I ship it so hard. I think it's so cute. I love when he puts the the ice cream on her nose. But, the, but the, here's the thing, though. They pretty much kiss i mean almost kiss like they are right there like there is no way that both of them don't know exactly what's happening in that moment the fact that it's interrupted by a vampire does not erase time and experience but right they both pretend like and xander seems to pretend like he never tried to kiss willow like he's just got a complete blank on it yeah um so that felt a little weird to me but i love like and, and part of it is that i love willow willow loves xander i want what willow wants for willow exactly <laughs> you know? yep yep but they have chemistry and the the actors play that nicely and i i you know i'm, I'm not gonna lie in the early you know buffy i'm kind of a xander willow shipper all right. <laughs> no, I think I mean I absolutely agree with you that that Willow Willow loving Xander makes mm-hmm. me love Xander. Even when mm-hmm. Xander is awful in the right. background I've still got this like yeah, but Willow Willow loves Xander. Um, it's the transitive property of Willow love. Yep. Right? <laughs> absolutely. And I love I love the way that scene is played. Mm-hmm. I love I, I love their facial expressions. She yes. looks so hopeful, like, oh, my God, this is really going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he looks a little bit like, well, why not? Give it a shot. Sure. <laughs> like, but, he's, like, but he's aware of what he's doing. He's oh, yeah. about to kiss her. Yeah. He like, moves in on her for sure. And then we pretend like it's nothing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's tough because Xander is Xander. Yes. Xander has tremendous shadow, right? Mm-hmm. Which is unaddressed with no consequences, right? And that is dangerous. The kind of shadow that is unaddressed, that is unseen, um, is extremely dangerous. And so we, you know, we like Willow. We want better for Willow, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to admit because, but I can't help it in those moments. I'm like, Oh, you know, I yeah. fall for it. I do. Yeah. I do. So. Well, and when I they're sweet together, they're really sweet together. They are. In, they um, are. And I always love those best friend stories. You know, the best friend love stories are always my favorite. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. true. Those are pretty great mm-hmm. because of course that seems like the most organic love yes. story that you would be yes. friends with someone and then that love would grow into right. something 
Deeper. I was rooting for Ducky and Pretty in Pink. I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm still mad about that. John Cryer gets sick and suddenly she's with Andrew McCarthy. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> That's another podcast. But we have Xander in this moment with Buffy. When she comes back, they're all gone. She, he's been beat up and for some reason not killed. Because yeah. I don't know why. Um, and uh, And he says, if they hurt Willow, I'll kill you. Oh, yeah. And he is so about willow like mm-hmm. he's he's in love with her we play this season two is all about xander's in love with willow and doesn't know it willow's in love with xander but gives up on it you know mm-hmm. it's all of that stuff that's all of season two and then when we get to season three we hose it horribly we do absolutely everything wrong with this thing and it's bad 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 super super bad but anyway <laughs> that's that's a discussion for later but season two is is completely playing the xander and willow ship and during season two I'm on the ship. I just I have to I have to admit it. I have to confess. I'm on the ship. I can't help it. Don't at me. I know it's wrong. But, <laughs> but I mean, he's so clearly in love with Willow in well, this season. Yeah, and I adore that moment when he says, mm-hmm. you know, if they hurt Willow, I'll kill you. Like yeah. Xander could really hurt Buffy. Not right, a chance. But he's so but he's so upset about Willow. He's so worried about Willow. Yeah. That yeah. Willow means so much to him. You know, that that he would say that not just to Buffy who could kill him with her pinky, but yeah. also to the girl that he has been in love with or has thought he's been in love with for the past right. year or so. Like right. you know, I mean it's it's a very complicated like there's there's a lot of stuff in in that moment that you can parse out it's wonderful Um, and it's that it's 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 the the strength of his his emotion there that kind of wakes Buffy up a little bit Mm -hmm. to what's going on you know that she really she's been in the wrong by Mm -hmm. abandoning everyone and trying you know insisting that she can do this by herself when she really can't. I mean, yeah. previously, previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> a show about being yourself and, you know, loving your friends. Mm-hmm. Like it really we we wrap up season one with the group coming together as a group. And that's mm-hmm. how they are strong, you know, str- right. <laughs> stronger together, folks. But then she wants she's so alone. She feels so alone in her in her pain and so alone in the trauma that she experienced with the master yeah that she's she takes that out on her friends and she starts to to pull away Mm -hmm. so it's that it's that connection between xander and willow Mm -hmm. i think that is kind of what wakes her up to the fact that no we're a group yeah and that's when she that's when she starts to to kind of open up a little bit to yeah except that we see her she goes out right Mm -hmm. to to figure out what's going on and to save willow and bumps into angel so i guess now's a good time to talk about angel yeah let's talk about angel let's Let's talk talk about about angel Angel. i love angel (laughs) (laughs) i love angel angel i love he says i can't help but think i've done something to make you angry and that bothers me more than i'd like Mm -hmm. and this is the thing Angel, what I love about him, he never plays games. He is always straightforward. He always says exactly what he's thinking, exactly what he means. And I love that. And she's there doing the stupid, come on, kick my ass kind of thing. I hate that. I (laughs) 
hate. She's so mean to him. And she reminds me of actually the way that they write her dialogue with regard to Angel in this episode is really reminiscent. Or I guess the stuff they do in over in Angel, you know, when we get there in in season one and two with Kate is so similar. Mm. You know, it's this kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. I'm living. You're dead. You know, all this kind of stuff like where she's (laughs) using his vampirism as a as a weapon, you know, with which to hurt him. And it was it was really strange because I'm I'm doing, you know, those episodes over on Still Dead with uh, with Dr. Kelly Jones, where we talk about um, Angel and um, and watching all this stuff with Kate and then seeing this episode with Buffy, realizing that that dialogue is almost exactly the same. It's exactly the same kind of bitchy stuff that I hate from Kate over on Still Dead. And um, and it's just it it was really reminiscent of that. And I, I hate it from Buffy here with Angel, the way that she's so angry at him yeah you know and and just so angry in general yeah you know and uh, but i love angel angel i love the way he handles it i love when she says come on kick my ass and he's like don't you have somewhere to be yeah you know he is so on task and he's focused and he's straightforward and he says exactly what he's thinking i love it he has no time for this it's something i love about angel is that he's clearly he's he's 241 years old thank you very much he does not yes. have time he doesn't have time <laughs> to play games i mean i mean i guess right. he has all the time in the world but he's been on there on the other hand yeah. right but he's he the patience for it he's been there done that mm-hmm. he knows that that being dishonest or speaking around the issue is not going to help right. anybody. So right. let's talk mm-hmm. this thing out. I just I hate that confrontation with him so much because they've done the whole, you know, ha- we could kill each other thing. Right. Mm-hmm. So much more artfully in Angel in the mm-hmm. in the Buffy episode, the season 1 yeah. episode Angel where she comes up to him and drops her weapon and like turns her neck to him like come on. Mm-hmm you know, show me what you got. And he can't do it. And we I mean, I don't know. I just I don't like it. But excuse me. But I do think it's worth mentioning that we have this traumatized Buffy, you know, being being mean, taking it out on the people around her. And it occurs to me that male heroes get to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. In fiction, right. I mean, and in the world, too, we're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, he's traumatized. So, you know, he can be a right. colossal asshat and it's <laughs> fine. Like we we're sort of OK right. with that. We're like, right. oh, he's, you know, the Batman darkness thing. Yeah. Well, and it's <laughs> right. I mean, and I went immediately to Batman. I was like, I feel like you see this all the time in in superhero stories you know and certainly with batman um Mm -hmm. you know and if we look at our other bat folk uh bat girl (laughs) bat folk (laughs) sorry no it's fine continue no it's great um so you know so batman is is broody and Mm -hmm. you know dark bat girl is pretty chipper um Uh but bat woman is also kind of dark and broody Except she's a lesbian. So I don't know what we're trying to say about sexuality and, you know, all of that. Gender identity and how the ways in which we are allowed to express our trauma. Like, you know, women are supposed to cry 
right? Mm-hmm. And men are supposed to get distant and be mean. And punch things. You know, and punch things. Right, yeah. right. You know, so here we have Buffy who is taking a somewhat masculine approach, you know, to this whole thing. And is this something that if she were a man, you know, we would accept it? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure that I would accept the same kind of thing, even, you know, like from a, a male character who had been traumatized. I but, just mean um, that it's something yeah. that we get to see in fiction. I think if we yeah, if we much. flipped it, I don't know. I just it that is a very familiar idea mm-hmm. in fiction yeah. is the the yeah. the guy who's. Well, we you love know, our broody Byronic hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. That, and that his pain, that mm-hmm. his pain makes whatever meanness he does to other people okay. Right. Or at least understandable. Yeah. You and, know? Yeah. And I don't think I don't think Buffy the show is condoning Buffy's behavior. Um mm-hmm. I think that that the show is very is very conscious of the fact that she's out of line in how right. mean she's being to the people who care about her and would mm-hmm. like to connect with her. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um but I don't know. I I feel like I feel like male protagonists get a little bit more leeway in that. Oh, yeah. In that department. Definitely get a little bit. And, and, you know, and like, you know, we like the the broody, you know, the guy who's suffered so much. I mean, that's what Angel is in a lot of ways. Although he's not mean, but he's very broody. He's he's distant. He's He's distant. Darkness in his past. You know, Um, I think he's processed a lot of his trauma. Of course, he's had 240 years to do it. So fair enough. Um, But yeah, I think that with with Buffy and especially with a woman. Yeah. You know, when a woman is mean, when a guy is mean, he's just a guy. Right. right. You know, it's part I mean, of... he, maybe he's a bully or whatever, but he's like he's a guy. Right. You know, but when a woman is mean, when Cordelia is mean, when Buffy is mean, you know, they're they're bitchy. It's mm-hmm. not OK. It's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we do allow a lot more from men in that arena because we won't allow men in general to express other emotions. Right. <laughs> you know, we shut them off from everything except anger and distance and meanness. I mean, culturally, generally, with what we accept from yes. men, you know, yeah. like if a man cries, that somehow it's, you know, it shows this weakness. It's it's not masculine to cry, you know. Although I think that now we're seeing much more of that expressed in much healthier ways. I think now culturally we are even even more so than we were, you know, in the '90s with Buffy. Yeah, you know, during this time frame, we were still in that. You know, a man isn't a man unless he's stoic, pissed off, trauma. <laughs> and dark you know well yeah I mean it was the, it yeah. was the era of singers who are you know boy singers who are mad about everything oh, especially right. yeah, you absolutely. know they're mad about their emotions damn it mm-hmm. you know there was know. a lot of that so uh-huh. you know and I think that that what Buffy is doing as a show here in allowing mm-hmm. our protagonist our titular character to be yeah. distant and angry and unlikable that word popped into my head when I was watching this and I immediately thought of you yes how much I hate unlikable yeah well because and that but that was what I thought watching Mm -hmm. Buffy I'm like she is not likable in this episode she's not likable but she's sympathetic and so that's why it works yep (laughs) 
But that's my whole rant on that. Okay, briefly for those of you who somehow have been listening to me for any length of time and haven't heard me go on about <laughs> likable versus sympathetic. Um, one of the things that happens a lot, especially with, uh, with female writers who write female characters, is that you get feedback where people say uh, your main character is not quote unquote likable enough. And then they go on and they make her super likable and she's super fun and she's super sweet and all this kind of really bullshit stuff. Um, fact of the matter is your main character does not need to be likable. This does not need to be somebody that we want to go have um, lunch with or, you know, go shopping trips with. This is somebody that we have to be have sympathy for, which means that they have vulnerability that we can see and we can understand, we can sympathize with. Um, that the vulnerability is really the key for every character, not just your title characters, not just your female characters, but for everybody, for every character to connect with your audience. Vulnerability is actually that key. And if you want more information on that, go to How Story Works, my podcast on, you know, How Story Works. When I talk about character, I talk about all the kinds of vulnerability and how you work vulnerability into your characters. So if you are a writer, go check it out there. That's the brief. Okay, so back to Buffy. <laughs> You're right. She's not likable, she's not... but she definitely is sympathetic. Like, I do feel sympathy for her, even when she's behaving really badly. And the, the two parts that I really don't like, I can handle pretty much all of it. I don't mind any of it too much, but I hate the dance up on Xander. Mm-hmm. And I hate when she says, kick my ass with Angel. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially because Angel is being so great and so straightforward and, you know, just like really there you know with her and um you know and I like that and I don't want to see him get beat up by her I don't want to see her hurt Willow by dancing up on Xander I don't want to see her hurt Xander by dancing up on Xander um Cordelia as Cordelia said in the in the alleyway I can hold my own I'm not worried about Cordelia (laughs) I love that moment I love that confrontation with Cordelia yes Cordelia is fantastic love the Cordelia that we get in this episode yes and that's one thing too is that there has been accusations out there on the internet. I have seen them. (laughs) <laughs> where people are saying that I'm too light on Cordelia. I give Cordelia a pass. I love up on Cordelia no matter how she behaves and she's mean to Willow. She's mean, mean, mean and she should be held to task for it. Right. Okay, fine. Fair enough. In the beginning of season one, yes, she is. Um, I, I like Cordelia more and more and more as we go because she becomes less the bitchy mean girl and more just a really interesting kind of fully fledged character and is given in the role of a woman, which is, you know, often not the case, right? She is the truth teller. We always mm-hmm. have a truth teller somewhere on staff, you know, in the main <laughs> Scooby group. Yeah. Um, and it shifts from person to person, from character to character. But the first truth teller that we have within, you know, the span of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is Cordelia. She does not care about being polite. She does not care about saying the right thing. What she says is the truth as she sees it. I mean, sometimes it's the truth as Cordelia sees it, which right. is a little bit off, like when she's talking with Jenny about the worst part of being, <laughs> you know, hung upside down by vampires and, and killed is, are the stains in your clothing. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the truth as she sees it she will always share that I have a lot of respect for that in Cordelia and I like her a lot I like when she walks up to them in the hallway and starts talking to them like they are people without treating them like 
like they're lesser than her. Um, I like when she looks at Buffy and says, your secret's safe with me. You know, yeah. it's fine. Right. Like I like when she goes out into the alleyway and says, I'm going to give you some advice. You know, I Spank love your inner Muppet, whatever, but get over <laughs> it. You know, I love that whole thing. You know, it's so um, great. And this is this is these are the reasons why I love Cordelia. I'm not going to say that her behavior has been stellar throughout season one, but I've always we've always had this element in her. We see it more and more and more and more as we move through season one. And by the end of season one, we're getting really good Cordelia. We're getting the Cordelia that drives her car into the school. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. She is badass. Cordelia is seriously badass. And um and I love her. I think she's fantastic. So yeah, am I gonna say that she was, you know, not a bully to Willow? I'm not gonna say that. She was horrible to Willow in that, you know, like opening um in those opening episodes. Mm-hmm. Um but Willow also stood up for herself. Yeah. Control alt deliver, right? Right. You know, go ahead and right. deliver. Yeah. Um, you know, Willow can also hold her own against Cordelia. Um and Cordelia, I think is um is a really wonderful character especially in a very feminine character who is also allowed to be smart to be capable and to be honest so i like all those things about cordelia and i will i will defend my cordelia love i mean until they (laughs) destroy her over an angel yeah for while she's in buffy she's good yeah (laughs) i you know it's funny i I don't mind the Willow Cordelia thing, Um, not because Cordelia is so great. I mean, she is, especially in the first couple of episodes, she is awful Mm -hmm. to Willow. Yes. But Mm -hmm. because Willow isn't really bothered by it. And Willow can handle herself. Yeah. I never get that. Willow's tough. And I never get the sense that Willow wishes Cordelia would like her. She's not interested in being a Cordette. She's happy being on Team Buffy. So the fact Willow hates Cordelia. The fact that Cordelia doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. The -hmm. fact that Cordelia is mean to Willow doesn't really ruffle Willow at all. Maybe, I mean, maybe just the tiniest bit when Willow is introduced, but that's the first episode that's the first episode and but willow handles herself really really yeah. well and can take cordelia yeah and i just know? i love Cor- and it's willow who um shifts us into totally honest cordelia mm-hmm. you know cordelia yeah. comes to her in prophecy girl and says i like your outfit and willow says no you don't yeah and cordelia says no i don't but i need a favor mm-hmm. and then i f- i think from there on out, we get this Cordelia who says, you know, who has these great lines like, uh, we've never really been close, which is nice because I don't really like you that much. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's I know. Wonderful. It is it's wonderful. Good. And then she, you know, she throws in that last little, she tries to throw the last little verbal punch. You know, I'll see if Angel feels like dancing. Right. And of course, then she's mm-hmm. kidnapped by vampires. But it's just, <laughs> it's She's so well written. She's mm-hmm. so consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I dig I dig Cordelia. I mm-hmm. love her as the sort of voice of not reason, but Yeah. You know, she's honesty. She's honesty. the truth teller. Yeah. I love I always love the truth teller. Every truth teller we have throughout the run of Buffy. We got Spike, we get Anya. I love them. Mm-hmm. I love the people in that role. I always think that's a great role to have and um, and really, really fun to have somebody who does not care about social niceties will say whatever, you know, the hard truth is at any given moment. And it's wonderful. I've always loved those characters. And I love Cordelia. And I think that she's great. And I think 
that, you know, you're right. Willow handles herself with Cordelia. I think Willow gets to decide how bad Cordelia is. And Cordelia is not doing any damage to Willow. Willow yeah. can take it. Yeah. You know, um, Cordelia is not punching down with Willow. Yeah. You know? um, so, yes, her behavior is, is you know, mean and she is a bully. And I will absolutely, like, you know, grant that. But at the same time, she's not punching below her weight. Yeah. Like, she knows Willow can take her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why she, you know, she picks on Willow a little bit. But yeah. Anyway, I love Cordelia in this episode. I think she's fantastic. I like this new Cordelia who's kind of part of the crew because she knows the secrets yes. because she was there during the, the crisis. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I like all of this stuff. Well, and she's not going to hide it. You know, there mm-hmm. she comes up to them in the hallway and she's talking about, you know, what happened. And is it is it? Xander or Willow who comes up with our inner demons that we were right. fighting you know, like but Cordelia Cordelia doesn't have any time to hide Cordelia yeah. is like nope this She's is just it is what right. it is it's wonderful yeah. it's yeah, wonderful no. I I love her so um can we talk about Giles a little bit oh my god I love Giles because I love Giles so much and you know it's so funny because when I first watched Buffy I was I think in my late 20s 20s probably you know and saw Giles as like the older now Giles is like my age uh-huh. you know? so I'm looking at Giles I'm like Giles is hot you're like, like Giles throw down Giles is, yeah Giles is a good looking man and also British which of course is my weakness anyway so um I love Giles in this episode I love I mean I even love the way that he is with Jenny like when he and Jenny Callender are flirting while Snyder's doing his little monologuing yes you know, in the foreground. I love so cute I love Giles and Snyder they're together yeah. just a couple times in this episode, and I yeah. adore it. It's they're so funny. Snyder's fantastic. I love Snyder. I love Armin Shimmerman in that role. I think he plays it perfectly. He's such a great counterpoint to Giles too. Giles, yes. who's so yes, he really is. like, I want to say Giles is sweet in this episode. I don't think that's yeah. the right word, but he's very. Um, I mean, we talk about dad Giles, like he's very paternal yeah. in a good way, but then mm-hmm. he's so vulnerable with Jenny. Yeah. It's I, yeah. I love it. I love it. No, I know. And I hate to I hate to say it, but I mm-hmm. I really, really love Jenny and Giles. That's my. No, I know. That's my that's ship. Shameful I, ship. Yeah, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. my ship. I and I don't I don't want to like it because there's still something so icky about Jenny yep. to me and I think it's that I don't mind her being more openly sexual than Giles. Um yeah. but there's something there's some there's a fetishy quality about it. There's something like like she's yeah. a little bit too male fantasy in the way, you know, depends on yeah. the book. You know, it's like no, that's not that's where I thing. dangle it. You know, and we're supposed to go, right. "Ooh, sexy." But I don't I- it doesn't feel like a genuine character. It feels like um, an amalgamation of qualities that equal sexy teacher lady. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. in, this, in the way that we've been able to write Cordelia as a complete and interesting and fully fledged character. Jenny is just this flat dead fish. But Giles likes her. I like Giles. I want her for Giles. Yep. I'm on the ship. Well, and you I, know, I mean, this is what yeah. I, well, I see that the people I love want something. I want it for them. <laughs> and I love the idea mm-hmm. of Jenny for mm-hmm. Giles. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love the the potential of that. I love the idea that 
she would be drawn to him and he would be drawn. To- I always like those stories, though, the the opposites yeah. attract kind of couple yeah. who are like, mm-hmm. oh, we shouldn't have anything in common. You know, he was a boy. She was a girl. He was a <laughs> librarian. She was a techno pagan. You know, it's like it's right. so it, it's so formulaic, but it it yeah. works for me. And I. Well, there's a reason why people go to it. Yeah. It's a workable, you know, it's a workable trope. And there's nothing wrong with a trope if it works. Yeah. You know, you just have to do it well is all. But, you know, and of course, of course, Jenny went to Burning Man. Like, of course she did. Of course. course It was funny when she mentioned Burning Man, though, because I was like, Burning Man was a thing back then. Oh, yeah. It got big and like, yeah, I didn't realize it was a thing all the way back then. I think it was a, a much smaller thing. A much smaller <laughs> but thing, right, right. I, I love that. But then I love that she acknowledges that, no, Giles would have hated it with a fiery passion. Right. She's about to say you would have loved it and that she realizes right. who she's talking to. And no, so... Mm-hmm. You know, so they're not they're not a total mismatch. Um, well, because they can see each other. Yeah. You know, like, I, I think that the problem for me with Jenny is that she is not a character. You know, she's yeah. not written as a character. She's written as the sexy teacher, you know, stereotype, the sassy lady. Yeah. You the know. fun teacher. Um, hey, guys. Right. The <laughs> yeah, young like... one. The young one. Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, I I like I like Giles so much. That I want Jenny for him yeah. because he obviously wants her. And I kind of fill in the space myself. It's like you get a coloring book that's halfway colored and not really that well. And yeah. you just kind of fill it in yourself because you want it to, to work. Yep. And it's fun. And I do like as we move forward with Giles and Jenny, I do like them more together, you know, as we move through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the beginning, it is it's a tough sell. It really is. Yeah. But it's a great way. I feel like it's a great way to open Giles yeah. in this episode is to have him and give him something personal. Yeah, he has nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see him kind of come back to, you know, they come back to school and he's oh, oh Miss Calendar. <laughs> he's just he's all flustered. He's all flustered. Yeah. It's it's great. But we get some really really good Giles in this episode, starting with that that scene where he acknowledges Buffy, you know, she joins. I first, I love, I love uh, Xander calling him G-Man and Giles goes, never call me that again. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. Oh, God. But I love the way that he, he looks at Buffy and he's so happy to see her again. And you see that dad yeah. within him. Like he's just dad. Yeah. You know, he's just dad. He's more dad than Hank will ever be, yep. you know. And um, and, you know, he's watching her and taking in everything and observing and paying attention. And she's looking away and she's pulling away mm-hmm. from him. And he sees that, too. Like, I like the way that he sees her. He's, you know, yeah. she's yeah. He very pointedly really says, nice. "How are you?" Like yeah. he knows there's a great Anthony Stewart had gives that a great um mm-hmm. a little emphasis. Yeah. How are you? He knows mm-hmm. and he's he's really like I'm really asking. This isn't, yeah. "Oh, hey, how are you?" He yeah. really wants he's to in know. Tune with her. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, I absolutely love it. And then at the end when she's, you know, she's gone yeah. through this whole thing. She's smashed the master's bones. She cried up all over on Angel. You know, she's processed her trauma. And she's talking to Giles. And she feels so bad about the way that she's treated Xander and Willow. And he says, you acted wrongly. I'll admit that. But it's hardly the biggest mistake you'll ever make. Of course, which is, you know, poor 
comforting right you know but it's but it's such a dad thing he's so good he's so non-judgmental with her and that's one of the things that I love is that he never plays this kind of you know hard line tough love I've got to kick your ass in order to be better for you right he's so like sympathetic with her and he understands her and he sees things through her point of view as much as he can I love that about him I love how much he loves her yeah it's really, it's really, really wonderful. It's a great love story. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Do we, we haven't really talked about that, that final mm-hmm. scene with Buffy where she does, you know, work out her issues, as Xander says. Yeah. Um, right. She's working, she's working out her issues. What is she doing? She's working out her issues. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, as much as I, as much as I dislike Buffy and her sort of angry, self Mm -hmm. this whole episode i like this scene at the end this fight scene at the end where she puts the anger where it really belongs which is on the actual Mm -hmm. villain yes and then Mm -hmm. she's able to grieve she's finally Mm -hmm. able to you know acknowledge yeah to feel the Mm -hmm. the pain and the sadness of everything that she's gone through um and Mm -hmm. it's i love that I love that moment where she she turns around and Angel is right there and he just yeah. embraces her while she cries. Um, mm-hmm. And they're wearing their little matching uniforms of Aww. black jacket, white shirt, black pants, because he's the closest one to knowing what she's feeling yeah. in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. I think that's a great, you know, as much as I dislike the whole hurt people, hurt people narrative and the yeah. trauma, mm-hmm. the trauma equals meanness thing. I really, really like that ending um and when she starts to cry we get reaction shots from giles and xander Mm -hmm. and willow um and i think it's interesting to note that willow's reaction includes looking over to xander to see what his reaction is because willow's reaction is as much about xander as it is about buffy Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's deep. I mean, the, the Buffy Giles love story is deep. The Willow Xander yeah. love story is deep. The, mm-hmm. you know, caring about somebody because they care about somebody you know, like yeah. Willow cares. Mm-hmm. Willow cares about Buffy in that moment. But she also cares about Xander because Buffy's trauma affects Xander. Right. Well, and Buffy is crying on Angel's mm-hmm. shoulder, not on Xander's yeah. shoulder. And Willow's looking at Xander. But Xander, you know, at the, when he grabs Willow, mm-hmm. you know, they get Willow and he's holding Willow while Giles is holding Jenny. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, of course, poor Cordelia, I guess, is just kind of the fifth wheel. She's on her own, yeah. <laughs> just kind of on her own. Nobody really cares about Cordelia there. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice, there's this nice kind of dance of all of these, you know, interacting relationships between everybody you know Giles wakes up sees Jenny says are you okay and then his first thought is where's Buffy yeah you know like I mean so you see where everybody's priority is yeah um and uh, and I like this you know I like the Buffy smashes she takes that sledgehammer she smashes his bones you know she goes through that whole it's like this ritual thing she has to destroy every last thing yeah every last bit of the master she has to be sure that it's done yeah you know and then Angel, of course, is there for her. Mm-hmm. 
when that happens and when she needs somebody to you know to fall apart on it's angel yeah angel's the one that she turns to so um so i like all of that stuff i think it's a really powerful you know ending scene and then i love you know afterwards she goes and she sits down with willow and xander she feels so bad yeah about the way that she's treated everybody you know and that without anything without an apology without anything they're just like yeah okay so what are we gonna do you know and then xander says you know i was thinking we could smash our the bones of our enemies into dust or into talcum powder with sledgehammer but we did that last night it's so cute the way that he references they're not pretending these things didn't happen they're not pretending they didn't have this experience together they're just saying it doesn't matter yeah i understand you're forgiven it's really nice well and i i feel like that is a friend relationship that I recognize, you know, the friend who yeah. will not make light of what happened, but will will turn it into a joke. I mean, Carrie Fisher famously said, if my life wasn't funny, it would just be true. And that's unacceptable. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if it wasn't funny, yeah. it would just be true. And that's unacceptable. Right. And I, I love seeing that kind of friendship played out where right where we can acknowledge what's going on we don't have to pretend that this didn't happen we don't have to make like it's you know we're not in denial but what we are is moving on and it's okay Mm -hmm. you know and I like that I like the way he acknowledges it and basically by making a joke out of it is telling her it's okay yeah it's fine yeah you know yeah which is really nice. I love that. And then, of course, we've got the little ending coda. Oh, my God. Right? Where the little kid comes in. I hate that girl. I hate that girl. Yeah, we we haven't talked about our, our villains in this episode, yeah. really, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody got makeovers over the summer, including the anointed one who last season was dressed as a child. He was wearing a zip up hoodie and jeans and Mm -hmm. sneakers and he looked like a Mm -hmm. little kid. And here we see him in this black turtleneck and black pants and he kind of looks like a little mini master. Um, Right. How awful must it be to be vamped at the age of seven? Oh, God. Like to be seven years old for your entire existence oh, God. while you have the darkness and rage of a vampire within. I mean, that is darkness. Yeah. <laughs> Except that he's That's not he's not written as a child. He's written. No, he's written as this otherworldly sort of thing. And I think that the, right. the change in costume, they're sort of adult thropomorphizing him. Yeah, like he looks like a little adult. <laughs> right. And, no, absolutely. That's what they're doing. And of course, right. that makes it OK a couple episodes later when he is dispatched. Yeah. When he's going to die. Because right? we couldn't. And we're going to get our real villains. Yes. Season, which I'm so excited about. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> we couldn't. But but I think that if he had been, you know, in his little kid gear in that cage, you know, when yeah. when our actual villains come in, mm-hmm. I think that would have sat the wrong way like that would have been a little bit uncomfortable for everybody no we've got to we've got to make him you know grown up on the inside if and as much on the outside as we can yeah in order to handle him being you know a bad guy and at this point in the season it looks like oh the anointed one is going to be our bad guy for this season of course not realizing that we're going to switch that up pretty quickly right um yeah it's 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 you know it's kind of interesting it's kind of fun but he's in charge Um, now you know the anointed one now that the master's gone 
the anointed one is in charge and he's got Absalom as his right hand vamp. Um, right. Absalom, mm-hmm. of course, is our, our preacher character mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. I don't I mean, our vampire of color. Yes, our vampire right? of, one of color. The, one of the few characters of color that we yeah. have in this whole thing. Yeah. And of course, it's it's a vampire. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, uh they give him there's there is something really um un- uncomfortable about the way yeah. that that Absalom is dealt with in this episode yeah. you know mm-hmm. as our our powerful po- he's a powerful villain um mm-hmm. who also happens to be a black man and mm-hmm. when he's killed when Buffy kills him at the end um she, we light him on fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we light him on fire. So instead of having the the you know vamp gets stabbed, turns to dust, disappears, which is a an instantaneous sort of death, right? Mm-hmm. And we see, I mean, we see vampires, you know, grimace as they're being stabbed, but it's not right. a. It's, but it's it's fairly quick and it's fairly humane. Mm-hmm. But but being lit on fire and screaming while you're burning, that's torture. It is. It's a grisly, yeah. painful death, and I can't help mm-hmm. but think that that has something to do with his being a black man. That we need to see a a black character who is evil punished right. more severely than well our white I mean, characters that's how we live in america oh absolutely right absolutely you know? and i mean i think i like i think even worse it's not conscious yeah oh the i don't think they did it deliberately no i think that's just how we're so used to dealing with characters of color with people of color yep their consequences are always more dire mm-hmm. for the exact same thing or for things that are less offensive than what, you know, white people do. Um, we're so used to that mm-hmm. that I feel like this is something where in the moment when they're like, who gets the stake and who gets the fire? Well, we're going to give Absalom the fire. Mm-hmm. And I mean, part of that is also because he is higher up on the evil. Yes. Like, he is more personified evil, whereas all the other vampires are just vampires lying around. Right. Um, in which case, you know, and I'm I'm glad because an actor of color got some more money got right. some more got some more speaking lines got that sad card if you didn't already have it you know so i mean like in the background i'm like yeah give give the character of color a you know a bigger part but it is it is a very uncomfortable reflection of how our society treats people of color in general mm-hmm. um and again i don't i think that the reason why he was given that death is because he was more evil because he was a more prominent evil because we had to deal with him in a way that made him suffer for how bad he was right, right? because he was not just a vampire there but he was organizing all the vampires but the fact that he ended up also being a, a vampire of color um makes that a little uncomfortable well and yeah. he's also he's also a kind of a preacher character so he's got mm-hmm. he is preaching the the gospel of vampires Vampirism, for right. <laughs> lack mm-hmm. of a better, you know, way of expressing that, and there's something. I feel like there's something to that too about needing to see that um, that kind of darkness punished. That mm-hmm. there's there's yeah. something really there's Absalom is Absalom is a very problematic character. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean. There's I and I feel like there's no way around it and yeah and you know what like honestly I gotta say whenever I start talking about this stuff as a white person I always feel like I don't know what the hell I'm talking about so somebody who actually knows what they're talking about go ahead and write in you know <laughs> like give me your thoughts on it give me your responses to it somebody who actually has this experience that when we see like because every time I see 
you know, a person of color, especially in Buffy, which is so white. Oh, God, it's so Buffy, white. Buffy's so white. Buffy are almost Oscars white. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so white. It's... That whenever we see a character of color, there's instantly, like, so much meaning and so much cultural context sure. placed on the shoulders of this guy who just got a job. Right. Right? You know, like, this guy just had a job to do and did the job and was fine. So um, so I always feel like, as, as a white person, I always feel like I'm really sliding outside of my lane when I start talking about this stuff, but I do want to acknowledge it, you know, and I think we should talk about it, but like, just, just understand anybody listening that as we talk about it, we're just like shining a light on something so that we talk about it because culturally we have historically not done that. And that's what causes a lot of the problems and that we don't recognize a lot of the problems societally that we have Mm -hmm. because those problems are reflected in our stories, you know, and it's when we get like shadow Xander is a dark reflection of accepted modes of patriarchy, really, really destructive patriarchal um, elements in our society. Shadow Xander is a reflection of that because we don't question it. Right. So the hard thing about Buffy is that Buffy is so incredibly white. I mean, it's white, 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 you know, mm-hmm. that whenever we have a character of color, we feel like this is so significant. And then I feel like I'm putting maybe too much significance onto certain things with these characters of color. And and maybe I'm maybe I'm being oversensitive about it. Maybe, you know, but like as a white person, I don't want to ignore things that I should be seeing. <laughs> and a lot of times I don't see them. And then people tell me and I'm like, oh, OK, thank you. You know, so I'm sure that there are people who can give me you know, who can give like a, a better, more, um, you know, nuanced view of, of all of this, especially characters of color within Buffy, uh, than I can. I'm just speaking from what I see, you know, and how it does make me uncomfortable in the way that it reflects, you know, kind of this, this, um, the way that Shadow Xander does, it reflects this racism in our society that goes unquestioned, mm-hmm. the way that Shadow Xander reflects patriarchy, um, patriarchal values in our society that also go unquestioned. Um, so that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like my, my final thing is, yeah, I notice it. I don't know what I think about it. I don't know how strongly I feel about it, but it is uncomfortable. It is an uncomfortable reflection. Yeah, I feel very strongly about it because I I notice how, you know, as I'm as I'm becoming aware of white supremacy and how it's mm-hmm. influenced me as a white person. Yeah, because you mm-hmm. cannot like when you when you benefit from yeah. white supremacy when you benefit from um a, god any privilege really yeah um mm-hmm. you know it has nothing to do with you it's all about how you were born you know i was right. born with white skin so i see things through this this cultural lens that right. says or don't see yeah things, but right because we're white so that's not our experience we don't see it until we're shown right you know? well and we mm-hmm. are by by not seeing it, we are complacent in that kind of oppression. Mm-hmm. So, yes. you know, I feel very strongly that when there's when there when black people appear on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'm going to talk about it um, and okay. I'm going to talk about it probably ineloquently because this is something that I'm still learning about, you know, in my own um you know, my own experience and how how just just how deep white supremacy goes into our media, because, of course, our media is mm-hmm. a reflection of our society. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, but I do think I mean, and this is something that I'm going to continue to watch for as we watch the show. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something here about the um, 
about black pain, about the, Mm -hmm. you know, ideas about pain thresholds for people of color. I mean, that's something Mm -hmm. that has is part of our you know, our society, our medical system, um, the tr- yeah, how we devalue black bodies. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. that there's something, you know, it's a small moment, but I think mm-hmm. I think Absalom being burned to death and the way that that's shown um, has a lot to do with the kind of society that we're living oh, in. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that we shouldn't talk about it. I just meant to say that I like what I'm going to say about it may not be correct and it may not be as nuanced and it may not be as as aware of everything you know um and so I always feel uncomfortable when I talk about this stuff because I really do feel like I'm sliding out of my lane you know um but I do think it's important that we notice it and that we talk about it Mm -hmm. and that we do our level best which is the best we can do to acknowledge these things because it's when these things are invisible that they are at their most powerful it is when we don't see them it is when we and and as a person who has privilege which both of us do Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's really easy for us to not see things absolutely it's really easy and i really want to try to make sure that i'm seeing everything it's just that when i call it out I sometimes feel like, what the hell do I know? Like, do I even know what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure that that people are seen and that people know that I see them. I see you. I'm trying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think it is important. But at the same time, I don't want to talk as though... I know everything about all of these issues of, of race and being a person of color. And of course, people of color are not a monolith. No, there are a million different ways to experience being a person of color within, um, you know, within our society. And even when we say person of color, right, we're not just talking about black person of color is like this big thing, like anybody who's not white. Right. You know, and that is just way too huge a tent to put everybody in. Right. You know, so it's it's a it's a tough thing to talk about. And I'm going to fuck it up. And I apologize in advance. And if I do, just correct me you know just just educate me you know anybody out there who hears me talking about something in a way that isn't quite right but I do think it's so important that we do talk about yeah and I'm going to call out um, representations of black people specifically because yes the because of the relationship that our country has with yeah. black people and and specifically that history the that we've done with mm-hmm. black people yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that was our that was our white supremacy portion of still pretty white supremacy moment of the day yeah your yes. white supremacy moment of the day <laughs> all right should we move into arg the patriarchy yeah, is that a good segue let's into move that? into the patriarchy i mean okay all right so I'm going to I'm going to call myself in on this one Lonnie yes. um okay okay because I take, I mean, we talked about this a little bit already, or maybe a lot of it mm-hmm. already. I take issue with Buffy being mean in this episode. Yeah. She's not likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that fictional and non-fictional men get to do horrible mm-hmm. things all the time and get a pass yep. because they have been, you know, oh, but he had a horrible past. Oh, but he was abused. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. but this. Oh, mm-hmm. but that. And culturally, and I think narratively as well, we give men and and masculine we characters a pass. Leeway. We give mm-hmm. them leeway. Mm-hmm. And it's like, right. you know, we don't have a problem identifying with these these male characters who, who behave in this way. So I'm wondering... Mm-hmm. Is it my internalized misogyny that says, no, I don't like Buffy in this episode because she's me? All right. So here's the thing that I want you to think about. 
because I think it may not be internalized misogyny. I think this may be very specific to Buffy because it's not just that Buffy's mean and, you know, we don't allow women to be mean and yada, yada, and if they're not likable, then, you know, then we don't want to have anything to do with mm-hmm. them. Um, I think it may be because it feels inconsistent to her character for her to express her trauma in this very specific way. When she's dancing all up on, I mean, this is a character who is not overly sexualized, right? Right. I mean, Buffy and her trauma was not sexual. Um, and she, well, she was so careful. Well, well, okay. It right. wasn't. So, wait, I'm sorry. Look, did the master and Buffy have sex? And I missed no. it. No. <laughs> I am never going to live this it down. Was, I'm never going to. No, 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 no. I love no. it. I'm never going to live down the off screen, the, the off screen sexual encounter. Darla and Angel having Darla sex. Darla and yeah. Angel having some sort of sexy times off screen. It happened. <laughs> Whatever. It's fine. Just accept it. Right? Just accept it. <laughs> that was that was yeah. but yeah but anyway my point being that it, it is possible that this doesn't sit well with you because it feels inconsistent with Buffy's character true and not because she's she's a girl yeah that's possible I mean especially the the sexual cruelty for I mean mm-hmm. that she she performs well using using her sexuality as something to hurt not just Xander or not just Angel but also Xander and Willow yeah. to me feels very out of character for Buffy yeah especially because when when Angel comes to her room and they have mm-hmm. that little not quite fight that yeah. they have and then later you know Willow says we see we see Buffy at school with Willow and Xander and Willow wants to know, oh, is it, you know, was there kissing? Like, she wants to know. Was it smoochy times? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Xander says it's not all about kissing. Sometimes it's about groping. And she turns to them and says, grow up. Buffy is not, she's not not sexual, but she, her relationship with Angel, we have called out several times is not mm-hmm. yet that physical a relationship. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking also about when he spends the night in right, Angel. Right, and, she, right. and she yeah. doesn't use her sexuality as a weapon. That's not like, and I understand that when you're traumatized, you behave in ways that are not typical. But I just, I feel like for me, those those moments um, rub me the wrong way because they don't feel genuine to Buffy. You know, had it been Cordelia who was traumatized and using her sexuality to hurt people. Yeah, I could see mm-hmm. that, you know, um, but it just doesn't seem consistent with with the ways in which Buffy would act out. Because so for it's, me, I think yeah. that's why it doesn't sit well. with. Well, me. because it's not a sh- it's not a true shadow. There is no light right. side to the Buffy sexuality. We haven't been there yet. Um, right. We haven't mm-hmm. been, you know, sexuality is not something that she uses to connect with people. Right. So we mm-hmm. don't have. It it doesn't make sense to have her use it as something to faith in this moment. Like that's the thing that faith would Mm -hmm. do. You know, and who will see, of course, in season three. Mm -hmm. And oh my god, I can't wait for that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but it's a thing that it's not a thing that Buffy, I think, would do. It's not consistent with her character. The same thing in the alleyway with Angel when she's like, "Oh yeah, kick kick my my ass." ass." Yeah. 
Willow's in danger at that moment. There is no way. Buffy would maybe be cranky and maybe be rude with him, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that she would waste her time. And that moment when he says, don't you have somewhere to be? Like, there's no way she forgets Willow for a second. She has stuff to do. Like, I can see her brushing Angel off because she has stuff to do. And she doesn't have time for this nonsense. Um, But I don't see her, you know, goading him and getting distracted from saving Willow at that point. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So it's maybe not internalized misogyny, but maybe just. <laughs> I think it's probably not. But I understand why you would ask that yeah. question, because we don't allow women to be mean. Or you know, broody. In a way that we yeah. Although I think I think now we do. But at this time. Yeah. You know, I think now we have a, Jessica Jones is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's a very, very, you know, like um, tough, angry character um, who has been traumatized. And we understand, you know, what she's been through and all that. And I think that we um, we are allowing our male characters to have more connection with their emotions. If you think about the TV show, This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's very, you know, lots of men in that very emotionally connected, very emotionally expressive. So we have a lot of that in that, which is a huge hit right now. Uh, We're seeing angry women, you know, all over the place. Right. Um, Jessica Jones being just one example of how that works. So I think that I can understand why it's a concern, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's what's happening with you specifically. All right. So is there, there anything? But internalized misogyny is a thing we've got to keep an eye out for. Oh, it's for. totally, yeah. it's internalized oh, misogyny yeah. is so a thing. And it's a thing that we are yeah. going to talk about more um, as we get further into yeah. Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Both both my own, I don't know about your own, but my own certainly. Oh, and sure. the yeah. And the internalized misogyny that we see uh, in character, you know, demonstrated in in characters on the show oh, yeah. that's gonna be that's mm-hmm. gonna be a fun discussion um those are gonna be really interesting discussions absolutely all right so do you have a girl power moment of the week? i don't really have a specific girl power moment of the week i mean it's i mean i want to say it's cordelia just because she's so kick-ass <laughs> but... she is really kick-ass i like that Cord- i have cordelia i think that she's not polite she's straightforward she's honest you know she's nice to everybody in she's not nice she's never no. nice cordelia's <laughs> never nice she's friendly she's friendly and accepting of everybody after they come back from summer mm-hmm. she also takes the time to go talk to buffy and say you know you're gonna lose your friends like you know and um and kind of try to help her out mm-hmm. you know you've saved the world a couple of times so i'm gonna give you advice mm-hmm. you know um i like that from cordelia i think that she's really great and you know buffy is is strong and she's angry and she kicks a vampire into a tree branch and, and you she know, tortures um, a vampire yeah. into telling her where and her she friends are a vampire right that was that was something that i thought was a little bit interesting and very dark you know like torturing a vampire to get information um torture torturing anybody to get information is is just a bad thing you know i mean that's what the bad guys do um but it's it's really interesting here especially this is a bit before we get to um to 24 the the Kiefer sutherland show in which torturing people to get confessions is basically every episode right you know um and it's but it's it's kind of an interesting darkness in this moment with buffy i really really enjoy it it's one of the few dark buffy moments in this episode that I yeah. that I really like because she would take out her anger on vampires she would right vampires are who she's mad at like I mean I think it's 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 a dark moment for yeah Buffy, but I mean I believe that moment. I like it because it really says no you don't you don't fuck with Buffy's friends like at this point she's right. on 
the case. Mm-hmm. She is out mm-hmm. to save her friends. And yeah. you don't, you know, she she doesn't mess around. <clears throat> yeah. She doesn't mess around when her friends are in danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So what's your favorite part? <laughs> <laughs> um, I... I have all of my all of my favorite parts are Giles in this episode. Oh, um, I love Giles. I love Giles. <laughs> Giles just being unwilling to lie when when Buffy comes up behind him as he's talking and Xander <laughs> says it's an interesting point about trout, <laughs> and he just turns <laughs> Giles. Trout is a fish. Good morning. Like he just can't. <laughs> like he's not even. He's adorable. He's totally unwilling to lie. And Mm -hmm. Giles' moment with the soda. Yeah. Oh, God. When he tastes the soda, like it's the first time he's ever had a soda and it's disgusting. Yeah. Or like it's gone bad. He looks at it like, (laughs) what? Is there an expiration date on this thing? The man has only ever had tea and whiskey. That's That's it. it. That's all. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty I, I just, I love, I... I'm going to rave about Anthony Stewart Head as we go through the show. His acting choices oh, are yeah. just consistently phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They give him great stuff to do, but then he just he elevates it. But all those all of his little all of his little moments, the little moments, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. are just fantastic. What's your favorite part? Well, you know, I mean, I hate to admit it. It's 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 Sander and Willow, like the almost kiss. I really love that. <laughs> I fall for the whole thing. I ship it. It's stupid, but I, I love it. <laughs> it's a, and it makes me happy and I don't care. Love what you love, baby. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Lonnie Diane Rich and Noel at Noel Aloud and use the hashtag StillPretty. You can also visit the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the fun. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of $1 a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who are possessed by a possessing thing. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more you can also show your support for still pretty by going to apple podcasts and giving us a review that's one of the most effective ways to show support for any podcasts you love that's the best thing you can do for them or talk about us on social media as well word of mouth is a powerful thing we will be back next time with some assembly required the second episode of season two until then pay up we called 10 minutes before you consulted your books about something (laughs) 